We are in our Foundations series, and today we're going to be looking at chapter 10 in the book of John, but flip one chapter forward in chapter 9. I usually dive in with a little bit of an intro to connect you, but actually today there's so much background that I'm just going to let the text speak to be our introduction. So let me pray while you turn to John chapter 9, and then we'll spend most of our time in chapter 10. Lord, I thank you for this family. It is your family, your bride, the church. Allow your family, your bride to hear from you that we may be able to know you better. And in knowing you, Father, we would be able to uh, know ourselves and do what we were created to do, which is to bring you joy. I thank you for uh, our youth that are present up to our wisest. Father, allow us all to flourish in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Chapter 9. There's a story that happens, and I need you to hear this story so that when we jump into our text for chapter 10, you know what Jesus is talking about. You've got some of the background. In chapter 9, Jesus is rolling with his friends in verse 1. He's with his crew, and they're walking, and they pass a man that is blind from birth. And some of the crew ask Jesus, who sinned that this man is blind? Jesus says, no one. This came about so that God's work might be displayed. Jesus says, we, Jesus says, we must heal this man. And so he spits on the ground, made some mud. Then he takes the mud and he spread it on the man's eyes. And he tells the man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man goes, he washes in his eyes and he comes back seeing. He goes to his neighbors and now he sees and they are like, is, is that the guy? Is that the guy? No, that can't be him. And he's like, no, it's me. It's me. It's really me. And they're like, no, that can't be him because you can see. But, but no, it's really me. And so they go back and forth, back and forth. And he tells them that Jesus put mud on his eyes and told him to wash in Siloam. And he received his sight. And the people go and take him to the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees are what you would call the church folk. They have a rule. No working on Sabbath, no working on Sundays, no working at all. And so healing, even if it happens on a Sunday, is considered work. So they don't like that. They don't like the fact that a healing might have taken place on a Sunday. So the blind man now who sees, explains to the Pharisees what happened. And some of them are like, man, this, this can't be from God because he didn't keep the Sabbath. This can't be a God-centered thing. It happened on a Sunday. And others are like, but the dude can't see now. So maybe this is from God. There, a lot of the Pharisees still don't believe this God. So they bring in his parents. And his parents are now aware that their son can see, but their parents are afraid because of the power of the church. They feared being excommunicated, being kicked out of the church if they said Jesus was the Messiah. So they say he once could see. This is our son. He once, he once was blind, but now our son can see. But if you want to know if Jesus did it, you need to ask him for yourself. 
So the Pharisees are mad, they're salty, they're angry, and they tell the man that Jesus is a sinner. And the man says this cool statement. He says, whether or not he is a sinner, I don't know. What I know is that I was blind and now I see. Whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know about all that, but what I know is that I was blind and now I see. And just just a little side note, we ain't even into the sermon yet, just a little side note. When people try to like get you in some like crazy conversations about stuff you don't really know about, keep the topic on what you know. Somebody try to make up stuff like, well, if God was real, then you tell me what came first, the chicken or the egg. Look, I don't know about all that stuff. What I know is that I was wearing a three-piece gasoline suit headed to hell, and now I've been saved. And this chicken and egg stuff, I don't, you see, people will try to, like, drum up stuff, crazy stuff, and you know what? Stay in your lane of what God has done for you. And so I was encouraged by this man who who couldn't see, who said, I'm not going to get into the debate about whether he's a sinner or not. What I can tell you is I can see. I can see. And so then this man who was blind now sees gets ridiculed. The Pharisees ridicule this man and say, hey, he can't be. You might be a disciple of Jesus, but we're a disciple of Moses. And when we look back in the ways that people were healed, God didn't do a healing like that. So this cannot be this cannot be from God. This man, they say, was born in the sin, and they throw him out. But Jesus finds the man and says something simple. He says to the man, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man says, who is he? And Jesus says, you are looking at him. He is talking with you. You are looking at him. He's talking with you. Some of the Pharisees that were with the man find Jesus, and they ask, if he was if they are blind too, And Jesus says, but if you were blind, you would have no sin. But because you say we see your sin remains. Y'all are like, pastor, what is you talking about? It's a whole long story. OK, so chapter nine is this experience of this man that's blind, that gets healed. And then the Pharisees step on the scene and the Pharisees are rejecting that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus has healed this man. They are saying Jesus is a sinner. And they are the church, church, church folk. You got to be you got to be careful about being like too churchy. Churchy, churchy is when like. Churchy is when you make rules that work, rules that trump God. See, the Pharisees had this this churchy approach. They said God don't heal like that. God only heal on certain days. And so God's going to come in this certain format. Churchy folks make rules like you got to wear a suit and tie to come to church. 
churchy folks seem to have rules that always are convenient for them. So if, if, if you're a churchy person and you don't like people getting healed on Sundays, guess what? You probably don't need to be healed. Because if you need to be healed, you don't care what day it happens. Churchy folks like to mold, like fear to motivate decisions of the body. The, the Pharisees used fear to, to, to make the parents not even want to celebrate the beauty of what happened in their child. To acknowledge this Jesus as the Messiah. You got churchy folks using fear to quench the vibrancy of the body. And then Jesus enters this conversation in chapter 10. Turn with me there. That's where we're going to be reading from today. He has this conversation with the Pharisees, with the with the churchy folk, with the folks that are putting on some rules, putting on some some additional things, not not graceful. He starts in verse 10. I mean, excuse me, chapter 10, verse one. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. That there's two different ways that you can enter in. Jesus communicates that 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 there is one way that people come in. That's being a, a, a robber and being a thief. That there's a right and a wrong way to enter into the kingdom. A robber is a person that's right in your face. Have you ever, robbers are are folks that rob banks. They will, in broad daylight, go after what they want. But a thief, a thief is a slickster. A, a, A thief will have your wallet and help you look for it. A thief a thief is smooth, and before you know it, you got he got your bank account. They all in your see, and and what the, what God is trying to show is that if you look at the way the Pharisees have operated, some of their stuff has been blunt and in your face rules and regulations. Some of it has been slick and smooth. Before you know it, you're living up to some rules that God didn't intend. So watch out for these thieves and these robbers. But then he, 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 he's saying, watch out for this legalism that can trap you up. But instead of trying to, trying to work it out yourself and use legalism, he gives an alternative. He says, but the shepherd, the shepherd enters. He enters by the door and the sheep, the shepherd of the sheep, Leads them. Look at verse three. To him, the gatekeeper opens the sheep, hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. The sheep know his voice. He is the one who has access to the kingdom, who enters the door and the sheep know his voice. I love that. I, I was uh, not a teacher, but I was in the 
educational school system. I had the opportunity to be like a paraprofessional, a teacher helper. So basically, when a teacher didn't want to wipe the snotty kid nose, she had me go wipe the snotty kid nose. So I was the teacher helper. And every year in the beginning of school, the thing that would light up a kid's face the quickest was when a teacher knew the child's name. It would, it would, it would, you would just see kids go from like feeling like they was just a number to, oh, that's my teacher who knows me. There's something beautiful about feeling this sense of connection and you being identified as unique and God knowing your name intimately. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. This God knows you by name. But you must know his voice. We must know his voice. And I always get that question of pastor. So what does it mean to hear from God? Well, if we can be honest, we all hear voices. We hear voices right now. Like you, you may call it something different. Some of you may call it a conscience. Some of you may call it a moral compass. Some of you may call it an unction. But we all hear a voice when you are about to do something that's going to hurt someone you love. And that voice in your head says, you shouldn't, you you shouldn't do this. It's, it's, it's going, it's going to hurt them. It's going that, 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 that's a voice. Well, what we believe as Christians is that the Holy Spirit speaks with a voice that allows your actions to glorify God. So you're not just trying to do the morally right thing. You're trying to do the God honoring thing. And here the Bible says that Jesus knows your name and that when he speaks, you'll know his voice. It takes time sometimes to learn how to listen and hear that voice clearly. But Jesus says his sheep will know his voice. Continue with me in verse four. When he's brought about all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Jesus has his own people, his own sheep, and he leads them and they know his voice. Not all people are Christ's sheep. Sheep is a it's a it's a really interesting term. Because it uh, it communicates like us all being together, but also a uniqueness. If you have a singular term for fox and you want to make fox plural, you say foxes. If you have a singular term for dog and you want to make dog plural, you say dogs. You have a singular term for sheep and you want to make sheep plural, it's sheep. It's, it's kind of crazy that sheeps is right, sheepies. Um, but it's kind of crazy that in this one term, you get the uniqueness of each individual sheep, yet the collective unity of all sheep. 
You see, following Jesus means that we do delight and are unified in our worship of Jesus, that we are called to be together. You should not be a, a, a spiritually isolated Christian. I sometimes get, well, pastor, I don't need to be around believers. The true church you know, the church doesn't save me. Jesus does. So I'm good. But but why, why would you not want to come into the fold of people, be encouraged by your brothers and sisters in Jesus? Worship the Lord and singing out in prayer, be equipped with the God centered teaching and then sent out for missional posture. You don't want to do that because you'd rather be an independent Christian. It does. It doesn't. Independent Christian doesn't doesn't make sense. And so Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. All of them. This beautiful unity. Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As you see the day drawing near. Continue with me. Because my, my goal is to end up at a verse that sums all of this up, which is that you are to live a Christian life abundantly. God wants us to have an abundant Christian experience. But here's a few different elements that you got to have in order to live life abundantly. You got to watch out for legalism. You got to listen to the voice of God. You got to do life in community. Next, in verse five, we hear a little bit what not to do. Verse five, a stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. They do not know the voice of strangers. You must know what voice to run to and what voice to run from. I was tempted to listen to the voice of Satan uh, yesterday. This is a, a, a season in our home where uh, we're a little more tired than usual. My, uh, my wife was caring for our daughter and she was crying like crazy. And my wife came to me and said, hey, uh, here's the baby. And she said something and I, I can't remember the words, but, but the phrase she used got under my skin. So now she's got, she gave me the baby. She's in the next room. I'm holding the baby, the baby crying. And all I could think about is why couldn't she keep the baby? Why is she tripping? She know her hands is like butter soft lotion. And I got like six things that I'm ready to go get her with them. I'm ready and the Lord says clearly, like, listen. <laughs> he said that too. No. <laughs> but the Lord said clearly, he said, 
Do you hear that? Like, do you, do you hear how you are now villainizing your wife? You've laid out her motivations. You've laid out her thoughts. You've laid out how she was not being uh, mindful of you. You got the whole plan laid out. And God just said clearly, go, let her know that if she needs a break, you're willing to give it to her. But you don't see you. But I got 15 things over here, Lord. You ain't you ain't speaking to them 15. And in that moment, y'all, the voices was competing. I mean, there's no real competing with God. When I heard from God, I knew what I had to do. But my flesh was like. You don't see you. Don't, you don't, But you don't see. You know all the th- things I got to do, but you don't. But you. And so I went in. I said, baby, if you're tired and need a break, just let me know you need a break. She was like, okay. And before I knew it, like, like all of the anger and frustration that I was ready to use as missiles that those evil voices was giving me, like it felt good to actually just be obedient. And see God do far more like like don't 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 we some don't you get tired of putting out fires like like you to spark the fire in your house with the argument. Now you got to come back over, clean that up. And don't it just feel good to be like, ooh, we just avoided that by listening to Jesus. You see, God is speaking clearly. This is a crazy text because the text is primarily about salvation. What does it mean to be saved? But the whole posture, the whole tenor of the text is an active voice, which means daily you're going to have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it because that thief and robber constantly is coming at you. Living out your salvation and walking an abundant life with Jesus didn't just happen the day you got saved. You are going to have to continue to choose to listen to his voice. And there's going to be opportunity after opportunity. Today, I'm using an opportunity where I won. I got it right. My wife will tell you, there's the, I'm like one for 938. There's a bunch of past ones that I messed up on. Don't let that stop us, though, from seeing God say, hey, There's a stranger's voice that's trying to compete and grab your attention. And I don't want you to just ignore it. I don't want you to just entertain it. I want you to flee from it. Run from it. In that moment, I was like, all right, I'm preparing a sermon. What's one of some of these scriptures I've been thinking about? Like I was trying to choose God because so much anger was built up in me that it was tough for me to listen to the Lord. So I needed to choose some scriptures. I need to remind myself of his truths, of his value, of his word, of his presence in our marriage. See, flee from that stranger. Victory feels good, y'all. Let's allow that experience to happen more often as we choose Jesus. 
So be cautious of a legalistic approach to faith. Follow Jesus by listening to his voice. Do life with people together in community. You are a sheep, but you are part of the sheep. And flee from sin. Flee from voices that seek to take your attention away from Jesus. Look with me in verse 6 through 10. This figure of speech Jesus used with, with him, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Pharisees missed it. But do you see now how this parable was all to try to help them see that Jesus is the light of the world and is offering himself that they would have abundant life? What is abundance? Abundance is a Greek term that means just a large amount, it means a lot of it. Right now, we're in a, a, a sense of a, an abundance of caution. As we think about the coronavirus, I had a friend ride to the grocery store yesterday. He couldn't even get into Costco because like literally had to go to a different store because everybody's going crazy trying to get, you know, hand sanitizer and all these different things. And look, I'm 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 not trying to, you know, downgrade the severity of the situation. What I am saying, though, is that, man, we're in an abundance of Caution, summer in abundance of fear, worry, and anxiety right now. And, and, and be wise. But, but, our, but this abundance is taking the culture into a, a, a new level of responding. Jesus is trying to, trying to communicate something clearly here because it's, it's crazy how like, like when abundance happens, your mind just goes into the next level, like everything being affected. You know what I'm saying? Like people is going into Costco and they're getting hand sanitizer and vanilla wafers and cookies and Coke and, you know, snacks and little Debbie's. Like everything is being affected. And Jesus is trying to say, listen here, I want you to have so much of me that it spills into eternity. That life to the fullest and abundant life is a life that experiences the fullness that God has to offer now and it spills over into an eternity with him. Life, abundance in Jesus it's not a temporal thing. It's not simply for you to get ahead today. It's to get ahead with the long-term game in mind. That you would have a healthy family, a healthy life, be walking with Jesus. And that posture of you being intimate with your father continues on into eternity. You see, God is excited to see us all thrive, to see us all fully be impacted by his love. But there's some stuff that helps us get there. 
It's, it's difficult for you to fully experience God if you live in a legalistic life. If you're trying to be a Christian alone and not thrive within the body, if you entertain the voice of Satan when you know that he's trying to lead you to do some crazy stuff, if you don't acknowledge how intimately Jesus knows you, knows your name, and says, now I want you to follow my voice as I lead. Look with me in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves his sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus gives us this beautiful understanding of his commitment to his sheep, his willingness to die for his sheep, his willingness to protect his sheep because he loves his sheep. Not a hired hand, but a shepherd that's willing to do whatever he needs to to make sure that we are safe and protected and cared for. Later, Jesus says in John 15, Verse 13, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This Jesus is willing to to substitute himself for us. Substitute himself for our sin. I, uh, I I like movies. I like movies a lot. I'm nowhere near the movie buff that uh, J.D. or Charles is. But you know what I'm saying? I like a movie, you know. I like to go kick it. Um, occasionally, when, when, when you check out, like, movies that you really like, you start to find stories later on about how the movie came to be. And sometimes you hear about an actor that was going to play the role that passed it up and someone else got the opportunity. Sometimes you hear about somebody that you're like. So like, like Will Smith had the opportunity to be in the Matrix, and he passed it up. And I don't even like Keanu. You know, I don't even, but I can't imagine anybody else in that role. Will Smith would have tried to say something funny and just messed all the Morpheus stuff up. It, just would, it wouldn't have worked out, you know? God, what, what's, what's my man's name um, from Bond? Sean Connery. Sean Connery, they asked him to be Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings. You see what I'm saying? You can't, you can't take the English dude, Ian Mc, 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 whatever, Ian McClellan, something like that. You can't take his role, man. He was Gandalf to the fullest, you know? Like, you can't, you can't, you can't imagine someone else substituting that role. 
who would who would substitute for your sin? Who would fill the role that your sin has filled? Who would step in that place? It's supposed to be us. Because if it's us, then the sin that we brought forth, a holy God, the sin that's a smack in the face to this God that created you, that sin we deserve death for. And if it's us, then we die and story's over. Because I can't come back. I, I, can't, I can't keep living. Death happens to me really once. So this, this God, this Jesus not only like steps in for like a sheep, a couple sheep, he substitutes your sin for all of his sheep. You can't imagine another person filling that role. Because this God loves you that much that he would take on that pain, that he would take on that weight so you can be free to live victoriously, so you can be free to, to, to fully flourish in his abundant love. All so that we get an opportunity to live in victory. This God loves you and is saying that as my sheep, I'm willing to die for you, that you would have abundant life. Can you listen to my voice? Can you let my voice lead you? Because when you keep leading yourself, when you keep wanting to be the primary voice, life is, let's just say I can do better. And so I, I, I love that this, this man who says, I can't tell you about whether Jesus was a sinner or not. What I know is that I couldn't see and now I can. I've been, I've been healed. This man responds demonstrating an abundant life. In chapter 9, he has a a simple, simple sentence in verse 38. Jesus had found him. They had that conversation. Jesus asked him if he believed in the Son of Man. His response was a, a, a three-word simple one. Lord, I believe. And then he started worshiping. Then he started worshiping Jesus. See, an abundant life is a life that acknowledges that you have been healed. And as a result of how you've been healed, it, it affects how you live. I've been healed, so I'm listening to the voice of Jesus. I've been healed, so I'm not going to listen to Satan. I've been healed, so I'm going to do life in community. I've been healed, so I'm not going to heap on religious laws upon you that you have to do or have you go through these rules. I've been healed, so I'm going to expect God to move in ways that maybe we don't even understand. I'm going to expect the miraculous. Can he heal on Sunday? Yes. Can he heal on Monday? Yes. You see, when you've been healed, 
you respond with a posture of worship. And now the question that that lies before all of his sheep is, have you been healed? You see, if you are his sheep, he's healed you from the disease of sin. You've been healed. Now worship. Let us pray. God, we want to be able to fully experience the abundant life. And some of us sitting here, Lord, feel so many times of, feel, feel so many challenges against us that experiencing an abundant life, Lord, is tough for us to fathom. Thank you for giving us wisdom, your word, making it plain that we may start abundant living by being disciplined, by listening to your voice, rejecting sin, doing life in community, avoiding legalism, being reminded that you know us intimately and know our names. God, may we flourish having been saved once, but living out our salvation salvation day after day after day. Let your voice lead and guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are a person that uh, feels like I'm not sure exactly what voices I'm listening to, Pastor, I don't know how to make decisions that are, that are better. I just find myself in these same patterns after pattern after pattern. And I want that to break. I want to listen to this God. I want to give him my life and say, okay, you be in charge. If that's what you want, as scary as that may be, as confusing as all that may be, if that's what you want, we're going to have communion and tithe and offering in a minute. I would love for you to just walk up front. I'll be standing over here to the side and say, Pastor, I want to live for Jesus. I don't know how to do all of this, but I'm tired of being in control of my own life. I want to live for Jesus. If that is where you are, we as a church would love to walk with you and care for you as you get a chance to learn how much Jesus loves you and how much he wants to guide you day by day, step by step, decision by decision.